Hallelujah. Why don't you high five somebody next to you as you're seated? Jesus. Let me see your Bibles this morning. I want to see your devices. Get, get your Bibles ready, your devices, whatever you're using. Let me see them this morning. Amen. Love seeing the Word of God, using it, seeing it. Hopefully you engage with that more than just today. Amen. Hello. Yeah, hopefully you engage with that more than just on Sunday. If you, um, you know, I just want to encourage you. There's a lot of different ways, uh, just while we're there, there's a lot of different ways to get the Word of God in your belly throughout the week. You know, you need to be reading it, obviously, but... Um, couple things, we have our sermons are on our website and on our podcast, so you can always get those um, and download those, so you can go back and listen to Sunday sermons. You can always go on Facebook Live. The videos are there from our services. You can always check those out. Um, I have a podcast. You can go on that. There's a lot of ways to get in the Word during the week and be encouraged in your faith, so make sure you're tuning in to that. Psalms chapter 8. We're going to continue on in our uh, look at Psalms, and I, I've skipped a couple if you've been following, but we're going to go to Psalms chapter 8 today. It starts off in the heading to the chief musician. Again, if you remember back from last week, that was like that would be like me saying to Pastor Grace, the chief, the worship leader, uh, here's, here's a song, give it to your uh, musicians, give it to your team, let's put, put this to music and let's worship. So... David has handed this off to the chief musician on the instrument of Gath. Uh, it's, it's uncertain what that instrument is. I'll just talk a little bit real, real quick on that. We're not real sure. Some think it was a, a striking instrument, something that you would strike to play. Um, but the common interpretation or the common idea behind that is that it was a song, a joyful song, sang in the wine press. And so this would have been a song, a joyful psalm sang in the wine press. So as they were in their, their, their feet, you know, just pressing on those grapes, they were singing away. And, uh, I, <laughs> you know, that's it's a, that's a, that's a messy song. I don't know if you've, I don't know. That's a messy song in the Lord. But, but my goodness, I think we need some messy songs in the Lord. We just get, it's okay just to get a little bit messy and just, it's okay if you don't look dignified and, so holy, just just let it let it go. Just have fun and just worship the Lord. That's uh, that's the nature of this song. They're just singing in the wine press. <laughs> oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, who have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength because of your enemies, that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. When I consider your heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him? Woo! <laughs> and the son of man that you visit him. For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. All sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, and the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Whew, I love that, that creation. I want to I look at the glory of the Lord in creation today. Our Lord, our Lord, I, I want you to just capture some of these key themes that are here, because this is just, it's a really just wonderful song of praise to the Lord. He starts and he ends, how excellent is your name in all the earth. You know, if you look around at creation and all that's happening in the world around us, the, the things in the natural do not necessarily lead us to say, oh Lord, oh Lord, how excellent is your name. But, but David sees past the natural, and he sees the glory of the Lord in creation and begins to declare out his name. How excellent is your name, how perfect, how majestic, that you've set your glory above the heavens. That Why did you create all of these things? For your glory, Isaiah says, that you have 
created all these things. And then verse 2, I love, out of the mouth of babes, out of nursing, out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength. You know, when you look at um, babies, the last thing you think of is strength. You know, when you look at, look at the tiny babies, they're absolutely, utterly dependent upon mom and dad. And that, my friend, is where our strength comes from. That's, that's what David is saying, is that out of the mouth of babes, out of these, out of these infants, out of the, the insignificant, out of the things in this world that people would look at and say are foolish, the things that are absolutely dependent upon the Lord, those things, those things are where the strength. So we're learning a lesson this morning from babies. We're learning a lesson from the infants that as they are utterly dependent upon mom and dad for strength, even so we find our strength in the Lord. Are you hearing me this morning? That's where, that's what God says is our place of strength. Out of, out of our dependence upon him, out of our utter and absolute dependence on him, that's where strength comes from. It's not about, you know, when we think about strength, we think about, you know, what the might, the, the power, the ability to do something. And that's what God is illuminating here. It's not our ability, our, our, our talents, our skills, but it's our dependence on him. In him, I love that, that he silenced the enemy. He silences the avenger. Those that rise up against us, we don't look to infants to silence the avenger. But again, our dependence on the Lord. When I consider the heavens and the works of your fingers, when I just when I consider, just when I gaze up at the the vastness of the universe, when I see galaxy after galaxy after galaxy, when I see the vastness of heaven, the works of your fingers. We're not even engaging the whole being of God when I see His majesty when I see his glory that's that's just a portion of his power that's just a that's just the vastness of our creation is just but a fingertip of the hand of God Woo! when I see the 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 creation of God that's crying out and singing his praise it's just it's just the fingertip it's just the it's just the 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 finger print of the majesty of the Lord there's so much more how, how God, and David asked this question, how is it then that you who are so majestic, who are spinning the worlds in orbit, how is it that you are mindful of man? That you would consider, that you would consider man, that you would consider us, that you would, that you would know us, that you would remember us. In all of creation, and all of the responsibilities of creation. I just think about, you know, what it takes to run an organization. Think about what it takes to run your home, to keep everything in order, to get the laundry done and the dishes done and the, come on now, don't shout me down when I'm telling you the truth. <laughs> All of the things that have to go to make life happen so your family stays out of chaos and into some sort of cosmos to say in some sort of order, right? It takes a lot to make that happen. And here is God, ruler over the universe, and he's mindful of me. He remembers me. He knows everything that it takes for my life to operate. He knows every detail, every order, every structure, every system. Think about every system in your body to create health and wholeness that he operates all of those things and keeps your life in order. Mindful of man and the son of man that you visit him. Not only is he capable of maintaining the order, not only is he holding all things together, but he visits me. He promises to never leave me. He's never forsaken me. He's walking right with you today. He's sitting right beside you today. Before you got here, he was here walking these aisles. Before you got in your car this morning, he was sitting in the seat next to you. He's ready. He's, oh, mm. <laughs> Jesus, what is, what is man that you are mindful of him, that you visit him, that you remember me, that you walk with me, that you're with me. You're with me when I don't feel like it. 
you're with me when I feel like the universe is in chaos. When I feel like the world's falling apart, you're still with me. You're still holding it all together. You have made him a little lower than the angels, and yet you have crowned him with glory and honor. You, uh, that's a, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach here in a second, but I, uh, I'm, I, I, want you to, I want you to think about this. The honor and glory that the Lord has crowned you with. What does Psalms 23 says that he anoints my head with oil, my cup runs over. He has anointed me. The spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me. He's crowned, he's poured out. Not, man, this is good stuff. You're, you're not shouting as good as I, I'm preaching this morning. It's, I, I want you, I, I, man, this is good. I've, I've just, I'm percolating on the word of the Lord this morning. I, don't, I, don't, I can't even get out what I'm just percolating on this morning. It's so good. I want you to think about, you know, when, when a king or someone who receives a position of authority, when you are delegated authority, there's a crown, there's an honor, there's some sort of delegation to you, some sort of designation that says you have, when you graduate with a master's or doctor, you get letters behind your name or in front of your name. There's some sort of designation to give you the honor that is due your name. And all of those things are just nothing compared to the honor and the majesty of God. He takes the creator of the universe, the one who sits on the throne in heaven, ruling all things. He takes his glory, his honor, and he just he gives us a little bit of it. He just pours it on. He anoints my head with his oil, with his glory. His name, the Bible says that his name is like oil poured forth. His, so, so when we're talking about the anointing oil that's coming on, we're talking about the power of his name that's coming over me. He's anointing me with his, his oil, his glory. He crowned him with glory and honor. I love verse 6 too. It said, I mean, I love this whole passage, but um, I love the Bible. But, you know, I think every time I read the Bible, I say it's my favorite. But verse 6 says, you have, made to, you have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. Now, not only does he give us glory and honor, but he gives us dominion over his creation. Now, that, that takes, that's, a, that's an example of true leadership. Because it, it's taking what, what you've created, the very thing that's precious and treasured to you, and saying, I'm going to give dominion over all of this to the thing that I know is broken. The, th the very thing that I know that, that, is, that is going to mess this up, the, the people that I know that are going to really break it and mess it up, I'm going to give them dominion. Why would God, you know, we ask those questions, why, why would God do things like that? Because he's confident in his ability to redeem it. It's not about you. Never was. It never was. He was confident in his ability from the very beginning when he said, let us create and give them dominion. He knew from the very beginning the brokenness of fallen creation and still did it anyway for the, the ability to say, that's okay, I can redeem that. That's okay. There was, a, there was a plan before the creation of the world for redemption. There was a plan before the foundation of the worlds ever were created that you and I would be redeemed. God said, I got this. This is not a problem. I'll create it and I'll, I'll burn it up and create it again. It's okay. All for the, all for the display of his glory. All for the display of his ability to redeem. That's, that's powerful. To, for God to say, that's okay, I'll, I'll, I'll let you at it. I know you're going to blow it. I know you're going to mess it up. It, it reminds me of Romans when, when it says that while we were still enemies of God, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That he knew that we were still enemies. We were still of our father, the devil, but yet he still made a way to adopt us. He still had a plan of adoption that by grace through faith we could still be saved. That, 
And, and yet at the end of all of this, God, God was never surprised when man fell, when there was sin, that didn't throw him off course. There was, there was a plan of redemption and the plan of a new Jerusalem, the plan of a new heavens and a new earth always existed. God, who is all-knowing, all-wise, sovereign, ruling and reigning over it all. That's okay. We'll start over. Why? Because there's coming a day when you and I, as believers, are going to step into a new Jerusalem. I just want to remind you, we're not living for this life, we're living for the life to come. This is just the dressing room for eternity. There's something else greater, there's something else coming. This is just preparation for what's to come. I'm being made, I'm being prepared to rule and reign with Christ for all eternity. So, what you blow up in this life is preparation for the next life. Learn from your mistakes. In other words, <laughs> isn't it good to know that when we get into ruling and reigning with Christ in eternity, thank God we'll have glorified bodies. Thank God we'll have the, the full access to the mind of Christ and we won't be trying to do it all the same way we did it in this life. For all of you who get mad at me at this in this life, just hang on. There's, a, there's another world coming. I'll do it better then. <laughs> and we can say the same about you too. It's okay. <laughs> that he's given us dominion. He's given us authority. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dive into that in a minute, but over the sheep and the ox and the beast of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, all things. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name. I love it. Three quick things I want to consider from this chapter. Number one is that creation rests in Christ, our creator. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, who have set your glory above the heavens. That he is the one who created and sustains all things. The very fabric of creation. If you just think for a moment, the very fabric of, of the world in which we live is held together by the Spirit of the Lord. Matthew 6 and 26 says, Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in the barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much, much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying at a single day or hour to your life? And why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like none of these. If that is how God clothes, or, or like one of these, if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you a little faith? I love what Wiest says here. He says, consider well the lilies of the field and learn thoroughly in what way they grow. They are not laboring to the point of exhaustion, nor even are they spinning. The majesty of God in creation that he sustains his creation, how much more will he sustain you? The priority in Matthew 6, if you go back and Read all of chapter 6, and it's followed even in verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The priority is on the kingdom of God. The priority is on his kingdom. And he takes care of all of the things that we have need of. We read it from Philippians that my God shall supply all of my needs. He takes care of everything that you and I have need of. Christ is holding his creation together. The birds of the air and the, the, the lilies of the field aren't worried about where they're going to get their next drink. They're not worried about where they're going to eat. They're not worried about what they're going to look like. God takes care of them. How much more will he take care of you? We have this um, great asset that's also our worst enemy, and it's called our brain. And it often gets in our way because... We have to try to figure out, we have to work and, and figure it out. Instead of just resting and trusting in the Lord, 
we have to figure it out. And sometimes we have to remember that just as the lilies of the field and the birds of the air, we have to learn and remember to trust in God. Acts 17, 28 says, In Him we live and move and have our being. In Him we live. We are absolutely, utterly dependent upon Christ. In Him. Outside of Him, you can't exist. Outside of Him, there, it's destruction. In Him, utter dependence upon Him. Think about the breath of life that's in your lungs. In Him we breathe. In Him we live. The same Spirit that breathed life into your nostrils is the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. It's the same Spirit that Romans says will quicken your mortal bodies. It's the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit will breathe life, new life into you and I. In Him we are absolutely dependent. In Him we live and move. That word is the, the word in the Greek there is to where we derive our strength, the kineo, the kinetics, where we are able to derive our strength. Our strength comes from him. Our ability to move comes from him. It's not just actual movement. It's even the, the ability to move, the ability to lift your hand in the morning, the ability to get out of bed, the ability to go about your work. He's anointed you to create wealth, his ability, all of those things, the strength of your life is held together by him. In him we live and move and have our being. What does it take for your continued existence? Everything for you to continue is held in Christ. In him we live and move and have our being. I love what Hebrews 11 verse 3 says that by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. Everything that we look around us and see was created by the word of God. Now think about this. The word of God in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God, John 1 and we beheld him. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Who is the word of God? It's Jesus. Jesus is the manifestation of the word of God. It's the, Jesus is the idea of God himself manifest. It's his word. So when you see, I think about creation, that God spoke. Jesus, by the way, has all, always existed. He didn't just get born in a manger and then he was. Jesus always was. And we see him involved in creation. We see his handiwork. He was the word manifest. The very essence of creation right now. The, the things that holding everything together. The word of the Lord. The very thing that was spoken by God in the very beginning of creation. Still exists today. I want you to think about the air that you're breathing. The creation around you all has the DNA of the word of God. And it's holding all things together right now. And we see, if you go all the way back, the Holy Spirit was involved. Moving on the waters, moving on the face of the deep, moving and creating. So here we have the God, the Father, who sits in unapproachable light, Timothy says. You can't see, no one's seen or, uh, or able to see him, the Father of, of lights, the Father of heavenly lights, the expression of the Father is the Son, the, the expression of God, who we can't see, but we see the outshining, we see the radiance of the Father in Christ. We see the expression of God's Word in Jesus, and the Holy Spirit involved the Spirit of God, the essence of who He is, working in the, in the face of the deep to create. God spoke, Jesus was, and the Holy Spirit creates. Forming, that's what he's doing right now. He's in you. The Holy Spirit is creating in you. Jesus said that I, it's, a, it's imperative, it's absolutely imperative that I go, that the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, might come. Why? Because he's going to reveal to you the truth of God. He's going to take the word, the sword of the spirit and reveal. He's going to create in you this word. Who Jesus is, he's creating in you. Are you getting this this morning? So when we talk about God creating all things, that out of 
out of the invisible, God spoke an invisible word and natural things began to happen. And it's the same thing. Take that in creation and apply it to your life. The invisible things that God's speaking over your life come into existence because of his word and the whole that's why you got to cooperate with the holy spirit it's important to cooperate and to yield to the holy spirit and what he's working in your life the holy uh, and understand what i'm saying the holy spirit teaches us leads us speaking in tongues is absolutely imperative and important but that's just one aspect of the work of god through the holy ghost that, that becomes almost like a doorway to even greater. But the Holy Spirit wants to do an increase in your life even greater than where you're at today. But it's learning to say, God, what is your word? If we, if we want to learn from creation in the moment, what are you saying? What word are you releasing and cooperate with the Holy Spirit in that? God's called you, I'll just give you an example. If God's called you to ministry, you can't sit back and say, okay, well, someday and dream about it. Come on, don't shout me down. You say, okay, God, what is that word that you're saying? God, you told me to lead a small group. I'm just not going to sit here and sit back and wait for my pastor to come ask me to lead a small group. What is the, what is the Lord stirring? What word is he saying What's the scripture that he's giving you? You know, if you, ever, if you ever come to us and say, well, I feel like the Lord's telling me to do something. Many of you have probably heard this before. Well, what's the scripture? What scripture is God giving you about that? Because you can, you can have a word, but when you have the word, it becomes a lot harder to wiggle out of that thing when, when the going gets rough. Because you have the word that said... This is what I'm doing. And we can hold you not to just something you think, but what is the word of God over your life? That's why it's so important to have a scripture for your year. Don't just aimlessly roam through your year, through your life. Have a scripture. What does God say about you? His word. He's creating something in you. His word released, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, he's creating and changing who you are. When God called me into ministry, I mean, I can, I can go back when I was eight years old, roughly, at a kid's camp. And I remember the first time that I heard the voice of the Lord tell me I was going to be a pastor. I can, that word deposited, it sat there. It was a seed sown. Sometimes you have a little seed. That's all you've got. But the Holy Spirit starts brooding and, and, and stirring, just like that the word in, in Genesis, that the Spirit hovered over the face of the deep. He was brooding over, like a, like a mother hen broods over her, her chickens. He was brooding, why? Creating something, incubating something. Sometimes the word of the Lord starts off as just a little time, but the Holy Spirit starts brooding over incubating that word that was eight years old and then you know I'm just using my own example I'm sure you have have your own story I'm just using a personal example 14 the Lord reminded me of that and it was interesting because I, I really didn't want to be reminded of that <laughs> I had other plans you know it's funny now that I'm talking about this and looking back on this I was planning on becoming a Christian counselor believe it or not I, I was planning on, I know, just now that I'm talking about this and the interconnectedness of what I'm doing to, today, it's funny. I, had a, I was planning on being a Christian um, counselor, psychologist, and uh, however far I could go in schooling, that would be determined what I would do. <laughs> but I had a plan, and God said, interrupted that plan, and he said, you remember this moment, and began to take me back at an altar when I was eight years old. The same week I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, he called me into ministry. I remember that. And I remember that moment, and he began to put people in my life to remind me of those moments. One of the ladies in our, in our church at the time, um, 
Gosh, she was our, our piano player years ago. <laughs> what is it, Sister Hootendoodle? Yeah, she was, she was the Sister Hootendoodle. That was who she was. She, she knew, you know, anyway. <laughs> but she came up to me, and she during that, there was a time period where the Lord was really speaking to me about that. And she came up to me, and she said, uh, I remember when... Pastor Bergen was our pastor growing up. He would call you up front when he was preaching. We used to have this big, bigger than this wooden pulpit. And he would be preaching on Sunday nights, and he'd call you down front and sit you up on the pulpit. And I'd sit there, like literally on the pulpit while he was preaching as a little kid. And uh, so I always joke, you know, and say I got something by osmosis while he was preaching. I, I picked up something from him while while he was preaching, just by osmosis. But those moments, the Lord began to, he was germinating something in my life. There was a seed that had been sown, and he was germinating it. And so I said, okay, Lord, if that's you, I don't want to, I need a word. He gave, me, he gave me a scripture from Isaiah. So that word began to take root and germinate in my life. I said, Lord, if that's you, I don't want to pursue this. If it's not you, can you confirm it? 14. And I, I remember, and I was at, some of you who are around my age might remember these uh, Christian skate nights at the roller rinks. All of the radio stations would have Christian skate nights, remember? And um, I couldn't skate. <laughs> I still can't. You wouldn't want to see me try. And uh, this, pat, this, this is funny. It's, you know, the Lord just orders everything. He just directs it all. You look back on it, you're like, God, you are so funny. Had a lady preacher come up to me and at that point that was that was definitely not normal and she came up to me and she said the Lord told me to have you come preach at my church I didn't know this lady from Eve right you know not a okay you'll get that later you go home <laughs> bad preacher joke okay I didn't know who she was and she but she said I, the Lord told me to have you come preach at my church I said okay uh, well, let me talk to my pastor about that, and I'll get back to you. And so I talked to my pastor. He knew who she was, and he's like, and his advice, I love it. I still use it today. When people say they feel called to ministry and have an opportunity to preach, I always say the same thing he said. You'll either love it or you hate it. And it's true. <laughs> it is so true. And I, I loved it. And I'm not a public speaker, but I loved it. because Not because of preaching, but I loved what Jesus did in the moment. My first sermon was on revival. <laughs> I know, shocking. And, and the presence of the Lord moved in that room. From the very first time I started preaching, the presence of the Lord moved in that room. And literally, I, God confirmed everything that he'd been speaking. Some of you have heard that story, but I, I won't belabor it. But it was, it was a confirmation. It was a, it was a, you think you sit long in our services. That service was a three or four hour service. It was supposed to be an hour, and it was three or four hours. Not because I was speaking, God showed up. Um, it wasn't because I was preaching, it was because God showed up. And so it was, a, it was a mark in my life that said, this is what the Lord's doing. He's, over the years, he's perfected that. Am I, am I the best preacher in the world? No. Am I the best pastor in the world? No. Am I, I don't need to be. That's not what he called me to. He said, just be pastor. And so he's constantly, that word is, is constantly, he's creating, the Holy Spirit is creating in my life. That's what he wants to do in your life. So when he gives you that word, when he's spoken over you, don't put that on a Tupperware shelf somewhere that you never go back to or you go back to and the lids are all, all over the place. and the, You know what I'm talking about? Don't do that. It's the word of the Lord for your life. Allow it to take root. Allow it to germinate. The Holy Spirit's going to create something in your life. And that's good. That's, I, I feel like that's just a good encouragement for somebody this morning. That when you, you say, well, I'm not there yet. Yes, you are. That just frustrates me. Well, I'm not there yet. Yes, you are. What you're, what you're really saying is I'm not perfect yet. Come on, don't shout me down into the truth. You know, what, what you're really saying, well, I'm not there yet. And what you're really meaning there is, well, I'm not where I want to be. I'm not perfect. I haven't made it yet. No, you're exactly where you are. 
Because <laughs> if you're not where you are, then where are you? <laughs> you're there. You're exactly there. The Lord's creating something in you. And maybe instead of attaining for perfection or some idea that you have an expectation on, just cooperate with him where you're at. Just cooperate where you're at. Say, Lord, I just, I'm not there yet. I'm not where I really want. Sometimes God gives us a grand picture, a big picture of where we're going. It's like the carrot. It's like, hey, this is where you're going. Like, oh, yeah, this is awesome. I'm going to be a preacher. Let me, let me sign your Bible. This is so exciting. God, I'm going to be a preacher. <laughs> Woo. Glory. And then you get into it, and you're like, God, <laughs> you lied. <laughs> this isn't as fun as I thought it would be. you got to deal with people all the time. What is this? <laughs> Me and you were good, but this, sh this sheep thing. So, so get your eyes off the grand picture. That's a good encouragement to know what's possible. We need to know what's possible. We need to know what's ahead. We need to see the big picture, right? That's good. But, but don't keep your eyes there that you can't see what God's doing in the present. Don't keep your eyes so focused on the big that you forget what's happening in the small right now. Because it's the baby step, it's the seed, it's the small step right now that's going to get you to the big picture. It's the, it's the little, it's got to start with a word. Creation, yeah, we see what it is today, but it started with a word. And God said, it starts with a seed, it starts with a word, and it grows. Well, that was point number one. <laughs> number, number two, <laughs> that God knows you. What is man that you're mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? Isaiah 49 says, behold, I have engraved you on the palm of my hand. I love that. You are always before him. Every detail of your life is always before him. You are on God's mind because he's always with you. You ever had a friend that you just, someone says, hey, I was just thinking about you, gives you a call, and it's random. God never has a random thought about you. He's always thinking about you because he's walking right by you. He's right with you right in this very moment. That might make you think about what you do next time you do something. <laughs> What's the Lord thinking about what you're doing right now? Because he's with you. He's watching. And he has a thought about it. You know, it's interesting to me about God knowing every detail of my life. You know, Psalms 139 says, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me. He knows every detail. I love Psalms 139, how he's knit us and put us together. He knows every detail of your life. He's got your name inscribed on the palm of your hand. Your walls are ever, I love all of that. But the God who knows it all, think about this, the omniscient God, all wise, all knowing, the one who knows every detail of your life, the good, the bad, the ugly, right? The one who knows every Thing about you. He knows the meditations of your heart. He knows when your husband or your wife makes you mad and the things you think about that you never say. Or maybe you do. <laughs> he knows it all, right? He knows it all. He knows every aspect. But the God, the omniscient one, chooses to forget your sin. Why don't you think about that? As far as the east is from the west, he will remember your sin no more. The, the omniscient one doesn't keep an account. 
So why are you? Right? Our brains keep a record of our wrongs. Our emotions keep a record of our wrongs. Our conscience keeps a record of our wrongs. But the one who knows it all keeps no record. The Bible says that when we repent and turn to the Lord, he actually blots it out. He blots out the account, the record. He knows it all and chooses to forget. How to, now this is just me just being very practical and maybe overthinking this. But how does a God who knows it all forget it all? Have you ever thought about that? Like, is that like a severe case of amnesia or, you know, like what is happening? Like, is that, a, is that like dementia setting in? Do we need to be worried? You know, that my natural brain starts wondering like how, right? You know, you start diving. How do you like point and click and really dive into that? Like the God who knows it all forgets it all. So when he forgives, it's not just lip service. You know, how many times we've ever said, oh, I forgive you, but I'll remember. (laughs) I'll remember everything you did. And when their name comes up, you're like, ah, I feel that. Is that forgiveness? You know, people say things like, well, when you forgive, it doesn't mean you forget. I would venture to say in the natural mind, our brain, if you were to psychologically review our brain, our brains don't forget. There's a record in the natural. But I also know the God who's able to cleanse our conscience clean. And I also know the God who's able by his blood. There's there's a lot of things I think I've forgotten that I probably needed to. And and I think that if if I sat and pondered, and if I sat and meditated on those things, I could probably dredge up a lot from the past. But Paul said it best when he said, forgetting what is behind, I press on to the things that are ahead. So so there is some forgetting that can happen, not by our natural mind, but when you have the mind of Christ. You see, you got to determine which mind you're going to live by. You're going to live by this carnal thing, or you're going to live by a spiritual mind why Paul tells us to think on these things. There's very clear instruction in Philippians on what we're to think about and meditate on because those, now listen, what you think about is what you become. As a man thinks, so is he. So if you're constantly dredging up all of the mess, that's where you're going to live. God chooses to forget your sin because he chooses to not be embittered. He's forgiven. If he were to remember the account of sin against you, it would demand justice towards you. He's a holy God. It would absolutely demand, if there was a record of wrongs that was against you, you did this, this, and this, and this, it would demand that he take action against you. His holiness would demand that, require that of him. But the justice that was demanded against me was taken at the cross. Those outside of Christ are going to have to face the justice of God. There's an account that's still written against them. But in Christ, that account's been removed. He's forgiven. Is this helping you this morning? God knows you. He knows you and he still loves you. He know, can, I, can I just take this maybe a step further? Because I think things... We think about the love of God, and oh yeah, he loves me. Yeah, John three sixteen, he loves me. Let me just take it a little further. God, God knows you, and he's comfortable with you. Because sometimes we, we hear the word love, and we're like, yeah, okay, that's a great term, but it's, it's out there. He's okay being with you. He's okay walking with you. He's okay being in your presence. 
and he wants you in his. Again, what is man that you're mindful of him? You, not only did you create access, I have access, I'm able to go in, but you actually want me there. You've opened up the way, and not only have you opened the way, but you actually want me to be with you. I've had a lot of people tell me, oh, you know, I love you, but they don't want to hang out with me. <laughs> you know, church people are great at that. Oh, I love you. <laughs> I'm, I'll be over in a couple hours. No, that's okay. Thanks. <laughs> you want to hang out? No, that's okay. There's a curse about being a pastor. Nobody wants you in their business. But what are you going to see? Everything I see on Sunday, I'm going to see it. It's all right there. Funny. It got quiet in here when I said that. <laughs> you think you ain't hiding. Don't think you're hiding. You ain't hiding. <laughs> all your mess comes with you to church on Sunday. It's okay. You think you put a mask on and you look okay on Sunday. But I promise you, we all see it. Just like you see me, it's all good. But he, he wants you to be with him. Anyway, I'll just keep going. I made somebody mad. Point number three. <laughs> Point number three. He created you to have dominion. I'll, I'll wrap this up. He created you to have dominion. You have made him, verse six, you have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. Tell somebody next to you, you have authority. God's given you authority to take dominion. That is not just in your job and within your scope of your own skills, talents, and strength. He's given you authority to take dominion in every area of your life. Jesus paid for you to have authority. I want to give you just quick things here because I want to wrap up, but seven quick things about your authority. Number one, Jesus paid for you to have authority. Matthew 28 tells us that all authority, Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. Jesus paid for you to have authority. He came into creation. Part of the inheritance of the cross is that you have authority. Number two, you have authority to preach the gospel. You better be preaching the gospel. Jesus said in Luke 9, verse 60, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. You go. Mark 16, 15, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Everywhere you go, preaching the gospel. You have authority to preach the gospel. And it's not just behind a pulpit. What you see in the pulpit, this is, this, this is just part of pastoral ministry. You may, you're called to preach the gospel. You may not be called to be a pastor, but everyone's called to preach. Number three, you have authority to stand against the enemy. Ephesians 6, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God that you can take, take your stand against the enemy. 2 Corinthians 10, 4, and 5 tells us that the weapons that we fight with are not carnal, they're not worldly, but they're spiritual, divine, divinely powered weapons to demolish strongholds. We have spiritual authority against the enemy. I'm not, you know, I think I said this a couple of weeks ago, but I, you know, when people talk about the devil, that doesn't bother, demons, devil, that stuff doesn't bother me. You know, people say, oh, my house this, or this person that, or whatever. Okay. You have authority over all that. When I, we, um, maybe I've told this story, I don't know. We had a couple, that was probably been a month or so ago, we had someone come in and say, you know, I have demons and I need the pastor to set me free. You know, wanted to meet with me, so uh, Brandon and I met with him, and he's, I said, here's what we're going to do. If you've got demons, we're going to take authority over them right now. We're just going to handle this, and uh, we'll be good. And I said, are you okay with that? He said, yeah. So I said, 
Father, I thank you you've given us authority over these devils. And I command them to go in Jesus' name and all things to be at peace. It was that simple. Really, really pretty simple. And uh, we finished. He's like, but I've got devils and I need you to deal with it. I'm like, okay. He's like, no, watch. He said, I'll put something on YouTube that will cause me to manifest. He wanted to put on this music or whatever. It'll cause me to manifest. Said, okay, okay. He, tries, he tried about five times to start manifesting demons. And he couldn't manifest the devils because... And so I had to say, there, there are none. They're gone. They can't stay. You asked for this. Now, we dealt with this. And he couldn't figure out why he couldn't start manifesting. <laughs> I'm like, this is really simple. We make it, this isn't complex. De- devil, let me just tell you, devils are fallen angels. They are under bondage. Not only are they under bondage, they're under judgment. There is an eternal judgment that they're under, and it looms over their head every single day. So you have nothing. You are, you are in freedom. You have, you, every, the chains that once bound you that are on them, you're free from. You have something they don't have. So why are you worried? Why are you worried? Anyway, you have, you have authority over the enemy. Stop, stop glorifying the devil. The devil did, the devil did, the devil. No, he didn't. You did. You is the devil. <laughs> Point the finger here. You did it. You said it. You did it. Most of what we blame on the devil is our own stupidity. Uh, yes, I did say it. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> you heard it right. This is not a sermon about deliverance, I'm sure. So I'll keep going. Number four, you, you have authority. Number four, you are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Now, now this, this, uh, this is good. Ephesians, uh, I'm going to flip over there real quick. You are seated with Christ. The Ephesians 2, by the way, is where you'll find that. So what does it mean to be seated with Christ? This is, this is pretty, I, I, think we, I think we forget where, where, where we're at. Sometimes you're as a believer, you're seated with Christ. Ephesians one verse 15 says, therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of glory may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of his glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and what seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. Verse 21, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. So where are you seated? Right there. He's put all things under Christ's feet. Isn't that what Psalms 8 says? That you have put all things under his feet. When you operate from heavenly places, you operate from a place of dominion. That in Christ, all things are under your feet. That will change how you live. Number five, you have the power of God's word to exercise your authority. The word of God. So you've been given authority. His word activates it. When, when a king says, he, he, he delegates a ruler, you know, and I'll just bring it into um, our, our culture. There, there are laws, there's rules, right? There are, you have police who are intended to enforce the law. We won't get into a debate on but that's what they're intended to do, right? Is enforce the law. But they have, they've been given authority based on what? Uh, there's a rule of law. So they have, they've been given authority by a mayor 
who says you are now to enforce the law and their ability to enforce that law is to be in alignment with what? The law, right? That's, that's how it's supposed to work, right? We get that. But that's, now apply that, if, understand that. There is, you and I have been given authority. You have authority in Christ. You've been given authority. Amen? You've been given authority. And it activates by the word of the Lord. You're able to activate that authority by knowing what he's decreed. If you don't know what he has said or what he's spoken, then there's nothing to activate. You don't know what to engage with. But when he says, my covenant I will not break nor alter the word that's gone out of my mouth, then you can stand on his word. This is what he said and operate in authority. Two things. Number six, you have authority to live as a new creation in Christ. You don't have to look like the devil anymore. You don't have to keep, you don't have to keep living in bondage. You don't have to keep repeating the old cycles. You have authority to break that. And number seven, you have authority to minister. You have authority to minister. Paul said, my preaching, my words were not persuasive words with men's wisdom. It was with the demonstration, the power of the Holy Spirit. You have authority to minister. Worship team, you all can come on back. When, when they were, uh, Peter and John were on their way to the temple, they didn't, they didn't, Peter and John didn't say, hold on a second, we know you're lame. Wait right there. We need to have a, we need to have a committee meeting. We need to pull together the board and see if this is possible. I need to get my, I need to get my circle of friends together I need to get my best buds together and figure out if this is possible. Come on now. They had authority. They were walking in dominion, taking authority. They said, mm, God says it's your time. Jesus said, I don't, do what, uh, I don't do it of my own accord. I do what I see the Father do. So you gotta, there, there is reality here. You've got to know what Jesus is saying, right? You can't just operate on your own whim. You have to know what Jesus is saying and doing. But in that moment, they were under authority. And said, this we're going to deal with the works of the devil today. We're going to deal with this. It's time for you to be made well. Silver and gold I don't have. But what I do have, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. That's authority. That's taking authority. God's given you authority. I've given you authority. You can walk into your job with authority. It's not arrogance. There's a difference between arrogance and authority. Clear difference. Authority Arrogance with authority ends up in abuse. But when you're walking in humility with authority, it ends up in freedom for someone else. Because the, the exercise of that authority when you're in humility is to serve. When it's about you, that's arrogance, and you end up creating, wreaking havoc. But when, but when you're out of humility, it becomes service. That's why and when Paul talks about the spiritual gifts, they're activated by love. I'm going to wrap this up, but man, I can just keep going, just keep teaching today, but I'll, just, I'll not do that. That's why the, the activation of spiritual gifts is in love. If, if you sing with tongues of men and prophesy, you're just resounding symbols if you don't have love. So the activation, the motivation of those is love. You don't have love, you've got, you got problems. You're just clanging symbols. So what that, in essence, what Paul is teaching us there is out of that humility, authority with humility ends up in service. Arrogance causes problems. Humility is an act of service. You have authority. You have authority to minister. So practically, who's around you that needs to hear the gospel? Who's around you that needs to have an encounter with the gospel? Akron and the Great Lakes region needs a move of God, needs an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. But how's that going to happen? Because there's people who take in dominion where they live and say, I don't know about all that mess, but, but I'm taking dominion in my city. I'm going to walk my street. Come on now, I'm going to walk my street and I'm going to pray over every house on my street. Drug dealers, you got to go. Prostitutes, you got to go. 
fortune tellers, you got to go. This street will magnify the Lord. You're either getting saved or moving out. I'm, ser- I'm serious as a heart attack. you got to take authority over your street. If you can't take authority over your street, you're not going to be able to take authority over the city. So start in your street. You know what's a good trick? I'll wrap this up. I know I've said this like five times. But you you bake your neighbor some cookies. We don't call them magic brownies. We call them Jesus cookies. (laughs) You pray over those things. You pray over those things. These cookies shall nourish even when all their calories, they're going to bless this home. Lord, when I, hey, when I give this gift to my neighbor, your presence is coming in that home. That's, it'll cause the meme to be done. I'm serious. Take authority over those grumpy neighbors. Lord, drive them out, whatever you need to do. We, okay, last story. We had, many of you know we're dealing with a court situation in, in the, we didn't think the judge was going to be very kind things started off on the wrong foot with the judge and we were talking to our attorney and the attorney said well he had a he had a name for the judge that he assigned I won't say what it was it wasn't bad it was just anyway so that he, he said unless something happens you know they, the, probably the next step they're not going to rule in our favor and I said that's okay God has a way of taking care of those things and uh, we actually prayed about it on, in one of our prayer meetings. But um, I said, that's okay. You know, he could just disappear. You never know. And, you know, God, God has a way of handling judges that don't want to listen to the truth. You know, we just, we're not really worried about it. We're not really worried about it. And I didn't think anything of it. I was just being very sincere. And I'm like, I've seen God deal with, I, I've seen this happen. I've seen people rise up against us that all of a sudden disappear. I'm, I'm not worried about this. And uh, <laughs> the attorney got, he said, well, I'm not sure that that's really what we want. <laughs> the good news of that story is the judge did rule in our favor, but <laughs> nonetheless, <laughs> I I had this image of Balaam and the donkey and the angel of the Lord with the sword drawn just waiting, try me suckers, try me ready to chop your head off don't mess with my anointed (laughs) why don't you stand with me this morning (laughs) the things you learn from pastor on Sunday morning majestic is your name in all the earth. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic, how excellent, (laughs) how excellent is your name. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, like David, Lord, today we're mindful, we're aware, Lord, that you remember us, you know us. Our existence in you Pastor, I don't know where I stand with the Lord. I'm, I'm not sure that I have peace with God today. I'm not sure that he's mine, and I'm his. Right where you're at, whether you're listening or watching or in the building, you can just say, Lord, I need you. Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of my disobedience. 
right where you're at and just ask him, it's that simple. It's really that simple. Maybe you're here and you say, Pastor, I've prayed that prayer a dozen times or more. That's okay, you can pray it again. Pray it as much as you need. And let the Lord work and change your life. Thank you, Jesus. If you've, this morning or you're online, you said, Lord, I need you. Maybe today or a recent day, and you said, Lord, I need to follow after you. The first thing you need to do is get water baptized. Make that proclamation. I'm following Jesus. Our next water baptism is August 22nd. You need to get planted in church. You need to attend church on a regular basis. It's not because there's some magical thing that happens when you come to church. It's where people are going to encourage you in your faith. It's where you're going to grow. It's where you're going to be challenged. You say, well, I've got hurt in church. Well, welcome to life anywhere you live. People are going to hurt you. The great news is, is we get to forgive and try again. Just 